PerkDC.net, it's a website. It has a coffee map on it. I also publish reviews of the coffee shops before they make it to the map. There are 13 coffee shops that I describe as wow on the map. Um, And for me, they're the best 13 in DC. I haven't finished doing the reviews. I suspect there'll be another two to add to that. And then there's about um, 40 other coffee shops, which are also really good coffee. Hi everyone, welcome back to Drip, a DC coffee podcast. I'm your host, Austin Brower. Today on the episode, I speak with Dwayne Baraka. Dwayne is new to the DC coffee community, but he's making a big splash with his coffee map and cafe reviews. You no longer have to Google coffee shops near me or read random Yelp reviews to figure out if you want to visit a shop. Today's conversation touches upon the coffee map's origin, insights into the ranking system, sustainability, and community talk. So let's just get to it. Sit back, grab your cup of coffee, and enjoy the episode. Really excited to have you today. Dwayne Baraka, similar to the war cry. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so just for everybody listening today on the episode, we have Dwayne. Uh, Dwayne is a coffee-loving Australian who has a very expanded palate, uh, having been and lived in many countries, tasting coffee all over the world. He's quick, right? <laughs> and he comes with a heavy accent. Uh, and it's really a pleasure to have you on the show, especially that everything that's going on with your website, Perk DC. And because it's been a long time coming, we had years a while ago. <laughs> well, it's, it's great to finally be here. I'm very excited to be doing this interview. I'm not sure I can live up to everything you just said, but uh, I'll give it a shot. You at least got the accent down. (laughs) Um, But just for everybody listening, who are you and what's your coffee journey? Who am I is a bit of a complex question, I think. I feel like my career has suffered from a pretty bad case of ADHD or something. I've been in hardware sales, in retail sales. I've been a truck driver. I've been a furniture manufacturer. I'm a church youth worker. I've um, also worked in IT startup support. And perhaps most confusingly to me, I was also a lawyer for a while and then a sustainability consultant for about the last 10 years, all of which means I've mostly been confused about what I want to do for most of my life. And in some senses, coffee has been a stabilizing influence throughout that time. I think I'm most passionate about trying to make the world a better place somehow. And in some senses, that makes me a quintessential millennial, which of course I'm not, but it's always struck me that the world does seem to need a little bit of help in getting better on mm-hmm. the way through. So that's something that I'm pretty passionate about. Yeah, and so in any of the positions you had, whether it's a truck driver or sustainability consultant, you found ways to do that? Not always. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the reality of lots of people's working lives is they're there to do a thing and they'd like to make a bit of difference where they can. Mm-hmm. I feel like being a sustainability consultant was kind of the peak of that because by its very nature, the role is to try and find things that aren't being done especially well and look for ways to make them better, to look for ways to make it not just the right thing to do but make it commercially viable to treat people well, commercially viable to look after the environment, commercially viable to have structures in place that mean that the business is governed well so that you create something of a race to the top of positive behavior in business rather than a race to the bottom. And I think that's a really important thing to do. As it happens, doing business in a more sustainable way is much more profitable in the longer run. But it's always tempting for executives, and there'll even be some owners of coffee shops out there who who are tempted to Mm. cut costs, to pay their staff less. The evidence that I've seen is that that doesn't work in the longer term. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I really enjoy the times when I've been able to make a difference to, especially the way executives think about what their role is, and especially connecting them in their work to their own personal values, letting them live out their personal values in a much more real way than uh, having to justify cutting costs to make short-term profit. See, I'm pretty motivated by that. I'm motivated after that too to to definitely go make a difference and use clean energy in the podcast. But no, I'll I'll joke in aside. I'm happy you shared that and would love to talk a little more about sustainability as it applies to coffee shops uh, towards the end. And so kind of as I mentioned earlier, you've 
been in Australia, you've been in England, I think other parts of the world as well, but these parts of the world were really rich in their coffee history and current coffee culture. Um, so we'd love to hear from you why you're so passionate about coffee and then maybe some of the influences that Australia and England have had in that. Yeah. So I have to start this coffee journey by confessing that for very close to the first 23 or 24 years of my life, coffee and I didn't get along very well at all. I think I had my first cup of coffee when I was 13, hated it and didn't have any again until early 20s. And that's that's partly because the cup of coffee that I was given was instant. Mm. Um, and I didn't enjoy that very much at all. But that was in context of where I grew up, in Horsham in Australia, a town of 13,000 people, biggest town for about 150 miles, literally desert next door, also big farming area. I don't think... Perhaps with the exception of one Italian immigrant family in Horsham, that there was even an espresso machine in mm. Horsham when I was growing up. The people that I knew that had coffee that wasn't instant were drip machines, and that always seemed really extravagant. That always seemed like that was an indicator of being incredibly successful and decadent or something like mm. that. So I stuck to Milo, which is a malted chocolate drink, for a very long time. I would occasionally get really exotic and make a mocha by putting in some instant coffee. And it wasn't until I started working in Melbourne that a friend dragged me along to a coffee shop and insisted that I try a cappuccino. And time may have colored my memory a little more than, than what it should have. But as I recall, this was one of the very old style cappuccinos that had like 80% foam on top and bubbles that must have been half an inch big as far as, as, far as my memory tells me. But I didn't hate it. I kind of liked it. And I liked the effect that it had on, you know, coffee's a good upper. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess before I got into coffee, I've always enjoyed food. I remember when I was 11 years old in Horsham, announcing to my mum and dad that I was going to cook them a three-course meal and loved it. Had a great time doing it. They had no idea what to make of the French onion soup that I made them because they'd never heard of anything like that. But it felt like a real privilege to me to be able to cook for people and create joy Mm -hmm. doing that. I I also spent a number of years not drinking uh, alcohol, that is. And then I discovered red wine. And, of course, Australia has some fantastic red wine. And Australians are smart people. They keep all the good stuff for themselves and export all the rubbish that they don't want to drink over here. But I think it's fair to say my food journey and my appreciation of wine journey came well ahead of my coffee journey. Hmm. And then I moved to Sydney. I think it's still fair to say that Melbourne is the coffee capital of Australia. And at the time I moved to Sydney, there was a real energy about coffee because Sydney was trying to catch up to Melbourne. Now, I'm I'm not sure if the owners of coffee shops were thinking this, but for reasons that aren't clear to me, there was just a burgeoning culture of excellence around coffee. And it was about the time or a little bit before the time Australia started producing world latte art champions and world barista champions and lots of them came from sydney from within this movement and so i started chasing around to find what good coffee was and the influence that the australian coffee scene has had on my own coffee journey has been profound i was talking to um Austin, Mm. Uh, he works at Vigilante, co-owner of Vigilante, and he spent some time in Melbourne last year. After talking about it, we agreed, I think, that Melbourne is probably the coffee capital of the world, as far as we know. High praise from a guy like him. I suspect that uh, the the other co-owners better watch out. I I think I got the sense that he might want to move to Melbourne. But Uh um, Don't shade on the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) not allowed. <laughs> um, but I, I think he was saying that, and I agree with him, I've tasted a lot of coffee in DC now, mm-hmm. up to about 60 coffee shops that I've been to and looked at, and there is some exceptional coffee here. Uh, but he was saying that just what's ordinary good coffee here, so the, the sort of stuff that we would all like to drink, would be average coffee in Melbourne. I realise this is a bit trite coming from someone with an Australian accent, but uh, I take comfort that other people also think this, other people who have been to Melbourne. So after being in Sydney and sort of slowly getting a better appreciation for good coffee, although I, I should say I didn't really understand roasting processes, I didn't really understand flavour profiles, 
we moved to London. My, my wife got a job in London. And London was also similar to what I had seen in Sydney in that there was probably 20 good coffee shops when I arrived. That was in 2008. There's now probably 100 or 150 what I think are really good coffee shops. But again, the same sense of something growing, something like a real aspiration towards having excellence in the coffee scene there. I think I think I regret this. This is one of my coffee regrets. Always good to be sole on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Be honest here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I I built a coffee map, and that was just me traveling around, and I shared it with a few friends, and I loved it, and they loved it, um, but it didn't really go anywhere. After a few years, it became just too difficult to maintain because I was too busy with work and doing other things. But of course, someone else stepped into that gap. A guy named Derek who used to run a thing called Blue Cow Media, created an app and a map of what's good coffee in London. That's still the best coffee app for London. I then started to learn things about AeroPress and all all these different sort of coffee methods that I'd never been exposed to before. Um, By the way, slight diversion. If you have 25 bucks and you don't have a coffee machine, AeroPress is the best bang-for-buck coffee machine on the planet, as far as I can tell. I'm not being sponsored to say that, but I have it at home, and I certainly take it when we go camping. Great little coffee machine. But really, really taught, start beginning to talk to baristas about coffee, and I think that's a fundamental change for me, and it's me. <laughs> it's me kind of trying to learn from them. Mm-hmm. Let's be honest. Most baristas in D.C. know more about coffee than I do. I will not confirm or deny. (laughs) (laughs) Is that because you're one of those baristas, Austin? (laughs) Um, But I I really respect the time that most baristas will take to tell you what they know about coffee and tell you what they love about coffee. Mm. So when uh, I found out in uh, late 2006 that it was looking likely we would move to Washington, D.C., again for my wife's job, I really should be better at this whole career thing and... (laughs) Make it my turn sometime to move countries. Um, I did some online research, and uh, I'm sure you remember back in about the end of 2006, about the best thing I could find, I think, was a blog or a map by Eater DC, and it said the best 17 coffee shops in DC. <laughs> and I think about 10 of them were on that map, not necessarily because they had the best coffee but because they had the best bagels or they had the best muffins or the best brunch or the best avocado toast or, you know, whatever other thing there might be. I formed a view at that time that I was going to build a coffee map when we came to DC and also share it with people to try to create or facilitate people's love of coffee. I think trying to say that I'm trying to create a community of coffee is taking too much credit for myself. That already exists. Mm -hmm. But giving people who want to experience better coffee an easy in, an easy way to find out how to do that. There are some other people doing coffee reviews and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. What I didn't see so much of in the DC scene is people drawing a line and saying, no, that's bad coffee. Don't Mm -hmm. go there. And so I'm still, uh, we've talked about this privately, (laughs) I'm still very nervous that I'm going to upset some people or even a lot of people in in producing this thing. But I still think it's a useful resource. And and the sort of people that I want to help on the way through, there's probably three groups. The first group is people who think coffee is cool and are just going for coffee because it's a cool thing to do. Mm -hmm. I'm not especially interested in that, but they might um, enjoy it. The second group is... People who've just discovered a love of coffee, maybe maybe like I did in Melbourne or Sydney or London, um, and want to know more about coffee and want to know how they can extend their coffee journey. Who's going to help them? Mm-hmm. And baristas and coffee shops, great forum to learn about coffee. But also people who are just motivated to find the best coffee that they can they can drink. And it's been it's been a real privilege to go around talking to lots of people and, mm-hmm. and drinking lots of good coffee. Some afternoons being far too wide because I've drunk too much coffee, but yeah, I really, I really respect what's happening in DC, and it's remarkable since since I first started looking at DC coffee scene in two thousand six. There's been probably twenty five coffee shops mm-hmm. um, that have opened that are providing genuinely good coffee in in my experience. So there's again this sense of this is important to people. This is. People want to drink good coffee. People don't want to drink instant. (laughs) Thank you for kind of outlining your journey. And it's fun to hear that, you know, maybe you are the cause for all these 
growth in coffee scenes, whether it's <laughs> what you said, Sydney and then England or London. Each time you go to a scene, it's a, becoming a vibrance. Yeah, look, so, I just wish someone had recognized that I'm, with I'm an gonna, award of I'm some sort. Give you an award. <laughs> <laughs> the coffee award. <laughs> It's historical accident. Um, I'm purely lucky to have been able to watch these things pan out in front of me. Um, it's been a real privilege. And, and I'm hoping that doing this will help other people on their coffee journey and help make their coffee journey faster than mine was. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll get into that too and kind of how you're helping facilitate that. And uh, we can talk about it in a little bit too. But uh, you mentioned kind of being anxious around the fact that you are drawing a line in the sand for some of these shops and you're... Yeah. You are a hard hitter. I've read your reviews, and you're very straightforward. And whether I agree with all the well, look, let me not, let me address that. Well, let me address that we'll, part. We'll get there. We'll oh, get all right, there. all right. <laughs> whether whether I think they're accurate or not, the nice thing is is that it will facilitate community. It will facilitate discussion because if people disagree with you, they're going to want to say why. If people agree with you, they're also going to want to say why. So I think it's a great thing and. A lot of it may be accurate and may help people up their game. But in general, um, I really love your focus on community. And I really appreciate the discussions that I think Perk DC will lead to. And I think that's a nice segue into what is Perk DC? What is this map you've been talking about? Yeah, so um, perkdc.net, it's a website. It has a coffee map on it. I also publish reviews of the coffee shops before they make it to the map. There are, uh, this is stretching my memory, I think 13 coffee shops that I describe as wow on the map. Um, and for me, they're the best 13 in DC. I haven't finished doing the reviews. I suspect there'll be another two to add to that. And then there's about um, 40 other coffee shops, which are also really good coffee. Mm-hmm. I spent a lot of time thinking about whether I should draw a line in the sand not so much for like the top 50 coffee shops, which is roughly what we're talking about, mm-hmm. but for that top 15, I think that's where there's potential to upset some coffee shop mm-hmm. owners on the way through. But I believe that giving people an idea of what the best coffee is, whether I'm right about it or not, mm-hmm. gives people something to stretch for mm-hmm. um, and helps educate people on the way through and helps them ask questions well why do you think that's the best coffee and get them asking get them seeking out other coffee experiences from going to their local coffee shop or going to the coffee shop downstairs from work actively seeking out a good coffee experience mm-hmm. and i think you're right i think it will create some pretty interesting discussion yeah. the website set up so that i do a review i give the coffee shops a rating there's also a user rating facility as part of the website so people can comment people can say whether they think it's a five star or whether they think it's a two star and i'm very much looking forward to engaging in those kind of conversations it's been really interesting to me though that as i've gone around talking to people about this mostly baristas in coffee shops they seem excited about this as a possibility they they can see how it will facilitate people who are wanting to find good coffee and educate themselves about coffee to have those kind of conversations. Mm-hmm. And I, I think, I'm not sure, but I think one of the things that baristas were seeing out of this is instead of someone coming in and ordering their soy latte frappuccino or whatever, that they come in and ask the barista for a recommendation, that their coffee journey diverges from just the normal for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, does that answer the question? I don't remember the question, <laughs> but I, I think it's perfect. I think I think it's great, and I'm really excited for this to go public, and there'll be more on that later as well. Yeah. And if you're listening right now, go to perkdc.net, check it out so that you kind of get up to date into what we're talking about. But it's really great, um, kind of a, a dynamic Google map where you can visually see who's who's been rated best and which will allow you to go find those shops. And then looking into those reviews... Um, you break it down in a couple different ways and you focus on different areas. Yep. So in discussing the reviews, we'd love to hear more about first what areas those are, why you chose them, and um, we'll start with that. Well, let me let me give a slightly shameless plug, if I may. Uh-oh. You, of course, can add your email list to the website <laughs> so that when uh, new reviews are published, you can receive notification of that. The other thing that you can do as someone using that website is nominate a coffee shop. You'll see from time to time there'll be a coffee shop labeled with a question mark. And what that means is someone has nominated that coffee shop as having good coffee. I'll be then going along at some point and doing a review of that. 
Uh, hopefully by launch date, there won't be too many of those mm. question marks on the map. But love to hear from people about what their favorite coffee shop is. And the criteria for the review. And I, I can name some off too. <laughs> so coffee highlights. Yes. Yep. Improved by. Yep. Beans by. Yep. Vibe. Yep. Sustainability concern. Yep. Wi-Fi. Yeah. And Those I, are the main ones. Yes, they are. And I think if you don't have the map and you're looking for a good coffee, I think a really easy shorthand for some of the best coffee shops in DC is ask them if they have Wi-Fi. If they don't have Wi-Fi, it's almost certain they'll have unbelievably good coffee. <laughs> <laughs> Just lay it out there. Just lay it out there. Um, but let me let me go back through the criteria. All these categories are really comments on the shop. Mm-hmm. They don't necessarily directly go to what the shop scores in the end. But Coffee Highlights is an opportunity for me to pick out what I think are the coffee highlights for that shop. Mm-hmm. So for some coffee shops, it's going to be a cold brew. For others, it's going to be pour over. For some, there's a couple I have in mind, they will have two or even three espresso blends. And so they're really focusing on that. Mm-hmm. So understanding not just that there's good coffee, but that there's a variety of good coffees. Yeah. Love espresso. I usually drink espresso, but some of the best coffees I've had have been uh, pour overs. Mm-hmm. And, and recently in DC, some cold brews. DC is doing some amazing yeah. cold brews. Thanks for outlining that and, and want to just read one of those coffee highlights for you. I won't tell you what shop, <laughs> uh, but cold brews are often tasty. And Cortado is the best espresso option for the blends. Avoid drips and syrups. Yep. So kind of like we've been talking about, very honest in, in the review of what parts are really great. A couple different options here, but then also saying there are some areas that maybe people need to work on or that you should just avoid for the shop. Yeah, and that, and that was important for me too is, I mean, it's arrogant enough to think that my opinion should be binding at any coffee shop and I'm, and I'm not trying to achieve that. Mm-hmm. But I did want to make sure I could identify a way for a coffee shop to improve. And I, I have to say, there's very few coffee shops on the map where there's not something that I think could be improved in terms of their delivery of coffee. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm deeply aware that for most of those coffee shops, that's a really deliberate and strategic decision about what sort of coffee experience they're trying to mm-hmm. deliver. And so I'm really supportive of that. But I'm also supportive of, of trying to highlight for people how to have the best coffee experience they have when they go to that shop. Mm-hmm. And so just to kind of continue on, so the next section is improved by, which I think we kind of touched yep. upon a little bit. Yep. Uh, beans by, I really like because, you know, when I was first starting out on coffee, I don't think I realized that, you know, every shop I went to wasn't necessarily roasting their own beans. So if you go to no. Vigilante, yeah. you're getting Vigilante beans. But yep. if you go to the Royal, uh, you're getting counterculture beans and not necessarily vigilante beans. So yep. I, I really like that component. I think it's going to lead to more education. One area that I want to stop at a little bit is the vibe. <laughs> um, oh, no, I know where this is going. <laughs> no, it's, it's not going anywhere. But, uh, so for this one, uh, oh, no. speed dating heaven, variety of mostly young professionals in attendance and a better night vibe than daytime ambiance. But do you mind saying a few words? And it's in general, I, I think a fun one that I enjoy. Yeah, look, I, I really enjoy writing those too. And I suspect my Australianness doesn't ever come out more <laughs> anywhere on the reviews than that section there. I try to make them a little bit fun. I try to make them a little bit controversial. I, I think that's partly because I don't always want to take myself so seriously within that. But I think the vibe of a coffee shop, whether you want it to or not, has a profound impact on how you experience the coffee yeah. also so that people can decide you know if they want to go there and sit for a while or if they just want to pick up a good coffee and then take it out so that that's part of what's going on mm-hmm. there. it's nice to have some fun on the way through life's pretty serious um anyway i'd be very interested to hear people's comments about whether they think i'm being too australian too frank <laughs> uh need to inject a bit more humor it's all it's it's fun um, <laughs> Yeah, I think after people hear this conversation and go read through, they'll hear your voice come through. That was the first thing that I noticed. We had beers, and then I really started to dive into your website. That was kind of halfway done at that point, and your voice really comes through. And Well, the listeners of your like, podcast are really ahead of the they, game yeah. on this one then, aren't they? <laughs> I, was like, I was like, Dwayne, you sound foreign <laughs> when you're writing these. 
Yeah, um, that's that's you are because I am. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I guess it's a, I think a unique perspective that the DC coffee space I think will appreciate to know that you've been in Australia and the UK and that it's a valid perspective and I think a well well educated and well meaning one. So and and I've also run some of those perspectives past people who work in some of the coffee shops mm-hmm. before I publish them and on the whole they agreed they said yeah this this is a strength of ours and this is either not what we're trying to pursue or something we need to work on um that's been pretty interesting that mm-hmm. that people have mostly been incredibly supportive of mm-hmm. it and so we kind of went over the some of these components of the site but i think you were going towards how you're rating them yeah a little bit do you want to talk a little bit how you're rating them yeah i do and again i thought a lot about this and i didn't want to make it too complex but i didn't want to ignore um, things that seemed important on the way through. Yeah. Um, so the two criteria, and it's the average of those two criteria that give the final score. And that final score decides whether coffee shops fall in the wow category or into the good category. Mm-hmm. And I should say, like every coffee shop that's rated good, I have had good coffees at. That is not a compromise. They are genuinely good coffee. The first criteria is expertise. And within that is things like are they getting some of the technical things right? Have they matched the bean, the roasted bean as it is, to an appropriate preparation method? Um, and this is something that's really important and something that most of the coffee shops in the wow category do really, really well. They'll have different single origins for different coffee methods mm-hmm. and they really know what they're doing in terms of bringing out the flavours. Is there one shop in particular that you're thinking oh, of? I, I suspected you were going to ask this. Um I'm happy to name a name because you asked me a specific question. Yeah. I'm not going to tell you what I think is the best coffee shop in DC. Oh, I wasn't going to ask that. No, no, no. Um, I think there are there are two that do it really well. The coffee bar in their shore location and also filter do a really good job of matching the, the bean that they've got to a particular method. Uh, and so if I walk in today at the coffee bar, yep. what do you recommend I get? I haven't been to the coffee bar for a month and they change their coffee menu. <laughs> Um, usually, though, at the coffee bar, the pour-overs, they really carefully select mm-hmm. the pour-overs that they bring in. And I really like the way they rotate. They don't have the same sort of flavor profile mm-hmm. on a month-by-month basis. They will change what's happening there. It's in context of that kind of conversation, it's hard to ignore qualia who have just an incredible variety, really, of single origins. At least 10 anytime you go in. 17 was the last count that I was there. But I think I just love those guys. And one of the things I really love is I get the sense that occasionally they just buy a weird bean and then do something a little quirky with it just to experiment, just to extend themselves Mm -hmm. within that. And I really like that. Yeah. Even if I ultimately don't like the particular thing they've come up with, I enjoy the experience mm-hmm. that I've been through because it's helping build my palate and yeah. it's challenging the way I think about coffee. Yeah. And, and I really value that. That was fun to hear. And I, I agree with both those. They're, they're definitely fun, good, strong coffee programs. Mm. So expertise is the first yep. criteria. Yep. And the second criteria of Perk DC's coffee ranking system, if we will, what is that? It's elegance. And this is trying to capture... Some of the more subtle things, I suppose. Firstly, and and I have to admit, completely subjectively, is do I like what they're doing? Do I just like the flavors that they're producing? And I I should have confessed that uh, as someone who didn't grow up in North America, I struggle with really dark roasts. Perhaps we can come back to that and I'll, I'll talk about that okay. further. But just does it have a wow factor? Does it stop you and make you think about coffee? And... Even including in elegance criteria, how do the baristas deal with the the general public? How how approachable are they? Are they helping people in their coffee journey? Are they, in fact, going further, are they actively looking to give someone a good coffee experience? There's also something there about refinement. I suspect that the visual appearance even sort of comes into elegance a little bit, although not a lot, but... It's great when you have a good coffee and someone has bothered to spend some time doing a nice, well-prepared piece of latte mm-hmm. on top. Um, and it's only, like, it's only the 1% or 2% of the coffee experience itself. But that, to me, is, is an important part. Is the barista communicating their love of coffee and their desire for you to love coffee on the mm-hmm. way through? 
that all sounds very woolly, but it intuitively feels like a really important part of reviewing good coffee. Yeah. And you know, when I think about like just reviewing coffee, I don't know if I would have chosen elegance and expertise, but the way you describe it, it, it fits really nicely into it. And it's not, I think, what people typically think of when they're reviewing shops. And so I, hopefully that lends as well yeah. will lead to some of the conversations that you're hoping to help create. Um, I'm, I'm really glad you like those criteria because I think I went through a whole notepad trying to you know, map things out and then come up with what's a sensible way to, to talk about doing yeah. this. There's, I mean, there's also sorts of international standards about how you rate coffee more formally. So at things like cuppings, I didn't want it to be that, partly because I, I won't have the best palate of anyone in DC, but partly because I think coffee is much more experiential than that. Mm-hmm. I don't know about you, but I, I like to drink good wine and I like to enjoy the ambiance of the place I'm drinking good wine and enjoy the company of people I'm with. Mm-hmm. And, and that's all part of the experience. And hopefully those criteria are interesting. Yeah. I, I'd love to hear what people think about those things. Yeah, jump on perkdc.net and say <laughs> another plug. Um, not by me. Thank you, man. You. Thank you. <laughs> um, and so to the earlier question, or the same question really, elegance, two shops that you think do it really well and you can't repeat. <laughs> um, I really like the experiences I've had at Baked and Wired mm-hmm. um, and I think they also do some interesting things with different kinds of blends as well and this one will be a bit more controversial I think Zeke's Coffee so right Rhode Island Avenue when I was there they had 52 varieties of coffee and they roast their own just incredible some of the people who work there are not the best baristas I've ever met. They don't know the most about coffee. But they love coffee and they love what they do. Um, and if you can't find a coffee you like in Zeke's with a variety of 52, probably should stop drinking coffee, I expect. <laughs> but they're, they're also really meticulous. And, and again, excellence comes into this as well. Really meticulous about the way they try and roast their beans and the way they try and bring out different flavor profiles from the variety of beans i mean to even have 52 different beans means that they're really trying to understand all sorts of different flavors that maybe you and i haven't even experienced yet Mm -hmm. i'm not sure yeah (laughs) no definitely yeah thank you for for running through those perk does a good job of of sharing those facts but to hear it from you and kind of your approach i think will be really insightful when people Mm -hmm. look on it and better understand where they should be going Anything else that you want to add in regards to Perk DC and kind of what you're you're hoping out of it? I guess I want to share a story about when we moved to London. Mm-hmm. My, you know, there's a DC coffee podcast, though. Sorry, this is a DC coffee. Yeah, no, it is. No, no. <laughs> I'm going somewhere. Just give me a minute or two. I'm going somewhere. I'm messing with you. <laughs> when I moved to London, um, very quickly when you go into a bar. In London, when you're not from the UK, mm-hmm. you see an incredible variety of beers. And the same thing has happened here in DC. But I decided that whenever someone asked me if I wanted a beer or if it was their round to buy, I would always say, I'll have whatever you're having. Because it's a really easy way to discover new flavors. It's so tempting when we go to a pub to order our favorite beer. But to go on a journey with people and to share their flavor experiences and and start to make them some of your own, I think it's a really lovely thing to do. That's a practice that I continue for beer in DC, and I hope it continues for a long time. Um, But I'd encourage people to kind of take that approach to coffee, to go seeking a different experience, to, to look for something that's interesting. I don't think I would have ever drunk a stout before I moved to the UK. I don't drink a lot of them still. But just occasionally, a stout seems like the best idea in the world. Uh, And sometimes, going into a coffee shop, a Colombian is going to seem like the best idea in the world, or an Ethiopian, or I had a, if you're listening, I think they'll still have stock swings, either of their uh, roasteries, their Myanmar blend, which they were selling as a pour-over. I bought a packet, took it home, and put it through the espresso machine. Just breathtaking. Just unbelievably good. So try different things. Um, try and experience different things. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I don't know why I'm telling this, but uh, we were talking about alcohol, so I'm going to tell it anyway. The other day, I was pouring myself a gin and tonic, and I thought, you know what? I'm just going to throw a shot of espresso in there. I encourage everyone to try it. It's fantastic. (laughs) So I I love this conversation. Um, But I'm just going to say it's probably not any gin and tonic and probably not any espresso, right? Were these, should we buy certain gins and certain espressos to throw together? What did you have? Just tell us what you had. I'm trying to remember what the espresso was. Um, And I don't remember. Uh, it, w- it was, in fact, the Green Hat Distillery in D.C. Mm-hmm. It was their spring-summer blend, uh, which is lovely. It's a little like Pim's, if you're familiar with that, or Fruit Cup or Summer Cup or something like that. The tonic was a Schweppes Diet tonic. I really don't think I'm going to be able to remember what shot of espresso, but it, w- it was a good one. It, mm-hmm. was, it was an expensive bag of beans. <laughs> so just... Keep making gin and tonics and drinking different espressos in it. <laughs> that sounds good. It's a different coffee it's, experience. It's a- <laughs> <laughs> Although it's not that different. I mean, some mm. of some of the coffee shops on the map are coffee shops by day and cocktails by night. Mm-hmm. Or, in fact, you could probably order a cocktail at 10 a.m. if you wanted to. But, uh, you know, places like the Colony Club, places like Slipstream. And I think that's a really interesting approach to being a coffee shop. I'm sure it's much more profitable because they're open longer and alcohol probably has as high a margins as what coffee does. Probably more. And probably more. And so really great way mm-hmm. to operate a coffee shop. Hmm. And really kind of connects with your journey to coffee, not initially being a coffee drinker, but drinking red wines and having food tastes and then getting into coffee. Nice yeah. balance there. Yeah. Not going back in time, but really focusing on another component of Perk DC that I really yeah. enjoy we went out and had, I guess, just coffee. I had food, too. You just had coffee. <laughs> at uh, Bluestone Lane. And then um, we went and actually did a review together at Gregory's Coffee, yep. who's been on the podcast. And you were lugging around this giant camera, and we walk into that shop, and we were snapping <laughs> photos the whole time. And I was, I'm not going to say I was embarrassed, but I just wanted my coffee. <laughs> but hey, Dear listener, he was embarrassed. <laughs> Thank you for saying. I was slightly embarrassed. I'm always slightly embarrassed with that big camera taking photos. But, but anyways, the end result's yeah. great. Um, <laughs> and so, would love to hear about the maybe a little bit about your passion to photos, but how you think that supplements and supports or complements your blog posts and reviews. Yeah, look, thanks for asking. I, I should have mentioned that um, photography was a was a passion of mine. I exhibited in Sydney when I was there, some photographs. I don't ever want to have a professional relationship with photography, but I love doing it. So that's partly why I take the camera, but partly also, I guess it taps into that vibe thing, to be able to take some photos and show people what the coffee shop looks like and maybe even get them a little bit excited about going there before they go. I think that's a really useful part of the journey. Mm-hmm. I should say I'd like to think that um, my photos are of better quality than the ones you might find on Yelp. Um, <laughs> I, I don't see Perks DC as trying to supplant Yelp in any way, shape or form. It's a subset. It's for people who are trying to find good coffee. I'd like to think there's some nice photos there that give you a sense of the coffee shop. But again, that sense that coffee isn't just something that you drink, it's an experience. And to get excited about that experience before you get there, I think is really useful. I love that. And really, the more we talk, and you talked about it at the beginning, you're really starting to pull people along their coffee journey. Really love that and really think the community will like it too. Well, I hope so. I hope so. And so we've been all positive about Perk DC. Has there been anybody who was really against it? And you don't have to name names, but um, if somebody was against it and you're and you're willing to share, kind of what? how were they thinking about it? The only significant pushback I've had is related to this this huge camera that I lug around, I started taking photos in a coffee shop. And to be fair to them, I hadn't asked their permission to do that. Mm -hmm. And the manager interrupted and was pretty upset about that and asked me to stop taking photos, which I did. As it turns out, that place still made it to the coffee map. I took some of their own photos, I think, uh, and put them on the blog. May have to take them down now that I've confessed that I'm using their photos. Uh, Hopefully not. (laughs) Don't tell anyone. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'm really, really surprised. Like, including in some coffee shops, when I tell them what I was doing, 
They'd bring out like a secret stash or an experimental few coffees. Uh, I remember at Grace Street Roasters, the, the head roaster there, I told him what was happening. He said, great, DC really needs this. Poured me a couple more coffees than I'd paid for. Roasts that they were experimenting with or I think one of them was even like the last few beans they had of a batch and he just wanted me to try it. And I think that that generosity of spirit uh, is profoundly impressive from the DC coffee community. Yeah, let me let me know if I get too offensive about things, and I'll I'll try and dial it back a little bit. But uh, very very impressed by everyone I've met so far. Oh, wonderful! Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, and I, I felt the same thing with doing the podcast of just yeah, everybody's willing to help out for the most part. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, if if they're not, they'll point you in the right direction. In one area, I, I do really want to cover because we've had listeners actually comment and wanting to hear more, and because of your experience in this area the sustainability part of yeah. your, your professional experience. Yeah. Um, and we talked about this for a while as well when we were hanging out before. But <laughs> if I remember, I think I gave you a list of about 88 things that I thought coffee shops might consider for sustainability. Exactly. Um, <laughs> you want me to list them now? Or? Yeah, please. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, sustainability in coffee. I'm going to leave it very general and we can yeah. dive down a little more. But sustainability in DC. I'm sure you have thoughts, so I'll probably just let you talk about it a little bit. Yeah. So coming from UK, which is in Europe, I'm sure the listeners know that, Europe is a lot more focused on sustainability, generally speaking, than the US. And the first way I noticed this was uh, our first supermarket trip. Go to the coffee section and in the UK, it would be 80% or more fair trade rainforest or some sort of certification where the manufacturer has investigated or the seller has investigated the sustainability of the coffee that they're buying, the farms that they're buying from. Um, and in the US, it's very different. In the US, I struggle to find two or three in the whole shelf of coffee at one of the supermarkets. Now, of course, some supermarkets do it better, i.e. Whole Foods or Wegmans. They have many more Fair Trade or Rainforest Alliance. Uh, but that's a really important part of the coffee journey. It's no small point, though, that coffee is grown in a relatively narrow window mm-hmm. on the planet. Climate change will have mostly at least as big an impact in those temperate zones where coffee grows. And to talk about uh, sustainability and coffee without talking about climate change is really impossible. And that involves you know, all sorts of things. I'm not going to go through a list of how you should beat yourself up and what you should do better in terms of personal sustainability. But in terms of coffee shop, I was just kind of horrified really to see a couple of coffee shops, some of whom made the map uh, as well, that had a bench and would have, as you do in a coffee shop, a big round circle cut out and that says trash. Next to that, there's another round cut out that says recycling. Underneath the bench... Both of those things go into exactly the same bin. And presumably, they then get thrown in the trash. They're not recycled. I think recycling is a really easy opportunity for coffee shops mm-hmm. to get right. But there's also educating customers. And again, I'm a little surprised that some of the DC roasters in particular, um, but DC coffee shops more broadly, aren't talking more about what they're doing in terms of looking at the supply chain, where they get beans from, whether the right things are being done in the supply chain, um, but also not doing very much to educate customers. So even coffee shops that have trash and recycling, well, how do you know what's recycling and what's not? Some coffee cups, takeaway coffee cups are recyclable and some aren't. So do things like put some pictures up saying, here's what's recyclable and make it really easy for people. The thing about sustainability is it's all pretty depressing and pretty hard. So coffee shops, I think, have an opportunity to make it easier for their customers to do things better and to help them do better. Um, I don't know of any DC coffee shops that are targeting zero waste to landfill. I do know of coffee shops like that in London. Hmm. Yeah, I don't think there is. Yeah. And again, going back to the responsible sourcing, I think that can be really hard. But for people who have direct relationships with growers, they can start asking questions about mm-hmm. what's happening. They can start asking questions like, is the coffee growing under shade trees? Which, of course, produces the lower yield, but 
at least according to some people, produces better flavor. And it's also much more sustainable in the long term because it makes things like soil runoff less likely to take place, which means the farms are going to be around for much longer and producing beans for much longer. And with shade and the canopy, the coffee plants themselves are then much less subject to climate change for a whole really complex set of reasons, partly because they're just shade there, but partly because the trees help the water stay in the soil in a way that the coffee plants can really enjoy. One of the interesting, one of the hard questions about sourcing, and we've talked about this, is what happens to the kids of plantation growers? Can people who are growing coffee that we're buying and we're drinking are they doing well enough to be able to send their kids to university? That should be, I shouldn't say should, because of course these are, these are all optional things. That's a really interesting lens to look at when you're talking about whether you're paying fair prices for coffee, um, whether you're caring about the people who are producing your coffee. There's also you know, much harder questions about clearing of rainforests and things like wages paid to people who harvest and, and even making sure that there aren't slaves picking the coffee that you're drinking. Yeah. That can be a really hard question, but I, I think it's a really important question. I think we should expect that people that we buy our coffee from, people we buy our food from, that they are concerned about these things and you know not supporting terrible human rights practices the yeah. world over. It definitely changes the way you view your coffee, going from not asking these questions to asking these questions. Yeah. Um, and hopefully for the better, I, I imagine a lot of shops are doing a good job sourcing. But so. I know some of them are. I've, yeah. I've talked to some of the people yeah. who do the sourcing, and they know lots of these questions in the background, but they're not talking about it. Mm. And, I'm, and I'm really surprised by that. I think that's a, a really easy opportunity for DC coffee shops to talk more about what they're doing about sustainability. And you may have just answered my next question, but would love to know what is one thing that the customers can do and one thing that, say, a cafe or a roaster could do to further sustainability or sustainable coffee in D.C.? It's a good question. And it could be different for both. Yeah, yeah. And, and I'm, I'm not sure I know enough to give a, a, a really compelling answer. Mm-hmm. But I think in D.C., I don't know if you'd noticed, but uh, property is a bit expensive in DC. It costs, yeah, costs quite a bit to live in DC. I pay for rent with the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> podcast is doing really well for oh, you. So, well. <laughs> <laughs> so, DC at least has had the good sense and the good grace to pay people more than the $2.33 minimum hospitality wage. Mm. And so, most baristas would be getting paid $15 an hour, something like that. There's still a question in my mind about whether or not people can live a reasonable lifestyle based on $600 a week in D.C. That's assuming they work 40 hours. There has to be questions there, I think, about paying someone a living wage. I'm aware of a couple of coffee shops in D.C., I think, that do things like profit share. And I think different models, different commercial models are really interesting. I don't know what what the appetite is for um current coffee owners to switch to that kind of model but there's certainly an opportunity for someone new to the coffee scene to create a model like that and talk about it with their customers and and tell their customers why they're pursuing that different model that's the coffee shops and and recycling is a that would mostly be so easy to fix Mm -hmm. you know even making sure they're buying recyclable cups and making sure those cups make it into the recycling Mm -hmm. and that's on both both cafes and the people yeah in terms of people Next time you're in a coffee shop, ask about the sourcing of the beans. Ask what the coffee shop thinks about sustainability. Ask it what it's doing. Nothing drives sustainability behavior like customers asking good, useful, insightful mm-hmm. questions. Yeah, I, I love that one. And I think also do be graceful with the baristas who are new or who aren't as intellectual in that, that area. But ask the question, and if they don't know the answer, ask them to pass you to somebody who does. Yeah, look, I, I totally agree. Be gracious with your barista. They're, yeah. they're making your coffee. Don't annoy those people. Yeah. And <laughs> besides that... They preach. <laughs> besides that, they're mostly very gracious. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... Yeah, thank you for, for giving a, a nice answer to the sustainable question that I didn't really pose. I just said sustainable, and you talked about it, and that was perfect. That's what we needed. <laughs> um, 
kind of as we close out here, um, really, really excited about this portion. I know you are too, but Perk DC hasn't necessarily been live with quotation marks. Like it's been online, but it's going to be live soon, right? It's going to be live really soon. Um, hopefully we'll get rid of all those question marks that are there. Be interactive with the coffee map. It's designed to build community, create conversation. And, and also I, I do want to mention my understanding of it is it's kind of a team of people who's been supporting you through this, right? Yep. And doing reviews, building the site, other things. Is that fair to say? That's fair to say. Yeah. It's also, I should be, I should be just transparent and say, um, I've done more than half of the reviews, but yep, there are a couple of other people involved with doing that. And I'm very grateful to them. Uh, we've been talking, of course, about, you know, some interesting new coffee experiences uh-huh. in DC and the possibility of things like doing walking tours mm-hmm. to go to, I don't know, three or four good coffee shops. Mm-hmm. I think we agree that we probably need some alcohol <laughs> at some point along that journey uh, you're right. to temper all of the caffeine. Yeah. But uh, that interested to hear people's thoughts about whether um, that would be an interesting yeah. thing. Uh, and if anyone is out there who wants to sponsor the development of an app from the map, uh, do let me know. I think that that would be the ideal next evolution mm-hmm. of this thing. Um so that when you're on your mobile phone, you've got an app and you, the map is really easy, intuitive, and you can you know vote straight away and let us know what you think of the coffee shops. That's great. And I am glad you brought that up. I was squeamish about that question. We've talked a long time about doing coffee tours, um, but maybe by sharing it with everyone, we'll get our act together and, <laughs> and, and do some coffee tours. Austin, we, we should, of course, say that it may never happen, but if... If there's uh, more desire for it in the community, that will motivate yeah. us even more to take those steps. How about this? Um, if you want to do a coffee tour with Dwayne and I, email dcdrippodcast.com that you're, you're signing up for it. And if we reach 15 people, we'll do a coffee tour and then we'll do a podcast about it. We'll make it happen. That sounds great. That's awesome. <laughs> Sound good. This first one will be free. The next ones we're charging arms and legs. <laughs> <laughs> and be remiss of me not to say thanks so much for what you're doing. And in no small part, uh, knowing that you were doing this inspired me to continue with the, the map and make it public and hopefully provide a good resource, as you were doing, for the coffee community in D.C. Yeah, well, thank you. And hopefully other people like us can continue to foster the conversation and, and grow the coffee community here. But in general, really enjoyed having you here. Really excited to share the map and go to perkdc.net. Check out the coffee map, uh, comment, go to the shops, and just keep brewing community. Anything else? Keep brewing community. (laughs) (laughs) And that's a wrap, folks. Keep up to date with Dwayne and Perk DC on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Check out the coffee map and or make recommendations for cafes needing to be reviewed by visiting perkeddc.net. Listen to DC Drip wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. DC Drip wouldn't be possible without Mike Crockett, the engineer, the Broke Royals, the musicians, Rebecca Silverstein, the designer, and Wesley Stukenbroker, the creative support. Thanks again for listening and keep brewing community. community.